Friends, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. We are beginning a series today um, looking at just Psalm chapter 1 for a few weeks. It's called An Invitation to the Psalms. Um, In recent years here at Cornerstone, we've developed this annual practice of spending several weeks a year meditating on just one psalm together. Um, I think this is a really important practice in the Christian life. It's great to know all the scriptures, uh, but it's really good to just pick Uh, smaller portions of scripture, to meditate over it, to memorize it, to know it, and have it uh, deeply formed in you. Uh, We've done that in the past um, with Psalm 23 and Psalms 42 and 43. You can find that in our sermon archives. But this year, uh, we want to do that with Psalm chapter 1 and the first psalm. And so uh, we're going to give an overview, an introduction to Psalm 1 this morning. And in order to give our attention to the reading and receiving of God's word, uh, I invite you to stand if you're able. Standing is an act of worship. Our physical posture mimics our heart's posture as we receive God's word with reverence. Hear it now, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The grass withers and the flower falls. The word of the Lord remains forever. Please be seated and join me in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, all of it. We thank you for this particular psalm, and we ask that your spirit would give us eyes to see what wonderful truths that are in it. As the psalmist prays in Psalm 119, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things in your law. Help us, Lord, in that way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I have a confession to make. I've been a Christian for over 20 years, um, but for most of that time, I've really struggled to love the Psalms. I've struggled to read them and embrace them. You know, anytime I would hear people in the church talk about how much they love the Psalms, I would nod my head outwardly in agreement. Mm, the Psalms, very good. But inwardly shaken in confusion. Why? I mean, the Bible. In the Old Testament, you have wonderful stories like Ruth and Esther and New Testament epistles as beautiful as Ephesians and Philippians. Why the Psalms? Now, of course, I preached and taught through the Psalms. They are God's word, just as breathed out as every other part of Scripture. Um, But I was personally missing a joy in the Psalms. I was missing out on the power of the Psalms. And only in recent years have I discovered that, have I learned that, have I experienced that. And it's come through slowing down and deeply meditating on the Psalms. Because in the end, the Psalms aren't making theological points. Um, They're not meant to be read like you read an essay. They're they're poetry. And so to read and understand and grasp and enjoy a Psalm, you really got to get lost in the imagery. You got to get lost in the metaphors. You got to understand the Psalmist is not making an argument. He's painting a picture. And so skimming a Psalm in order to, to trace its logic will not yield the kind of spiritual benefits that it uh, richly has embedded in it. You need to really slowly extract it. 
it's much like this. For Christmas, I received a uh, coffee pour-over dripper. Um, now, I'm an unashamed K-cup Keurig lover. It's the most used uh, appliance in our kitchen. And I love it for two reasons. Uh, first, because it's fast, and second, because it's good enough. And when you wake up in the morning and the first thing you need is Jesus, and the second thing you need is coffee, um, K-cup is good enough. It's fast and good enough. It's fantastic. Um, but in the weeks since I've gotten this uh, wonderful gift, I began making, you know, pour-over coffee, and it's become abundantly clear that K-cup coffee is nothing, uh, nowhere as close to good as a wonderful, beautiful slowly extracted pour over coffee. You know, Eunice and I have fallen into this routine that the first thing we do when we wake up is we drink a K-cup because it's fast and good enough. But when there's a little bit more time in the afternoon, we take the investment because it is time and energy to make a nice pour over cup of coffee. It's 10 minutes as opposed to two minutes. If you've ever done the process, it's very slow and methodical. You boil the water to 200 degrees. You, gr you weigh out the beans, you grind them, and you bloom the grounds, you let CO2 escape, and then you slowly start in a methodical fashion, starting at the center and pouring out, pour the coffee. And then you sit and you wait and slowly it drips, and then you get to enjoy it. And there's something about the way you do this that's akin to reading the psalm. How do you read the psalm? Well, fast and good enough won't cut it. In order to extract its truth, you need to really steep in it. You need to take your time through it. You need to slowly meditate and marinate in it. And when you do this, you'll find that the Psalms are totally worth it. You'll get why they're literally at the center of the Bible. They were the songs that Jesus prayed and that he sung. So we're doing that this year in Psalm chapter 1. Now, Psalm 1 is the first psalm of the Psalter. Now, what's the Psalter? The Psalter is the collection of 150 books, 150 psalms that make up um, the book of Psalms. Now, you may know this. The psalms are composed by various authors. There's not just one author. King David wrote most of them. You may know that. Uh, but they're written by various authors. But did you know that the Psalter, the whole book of Psalms in its final form, was edited. It was stitched together. What I mean by this is the 150 Psalms that you read weren't written in chronological order. Instead, they were written, and some editor took 150 Psalms, and he, and he stitched them together, and he composed them for us. And that means Psalm 1 wasn't the first Psalm ever written. In fact, if you read it and you pay close attention, it becomes clear that Psalms 1 and 2 are very different than the rest of the Psalms because Psalm 1 and 2 are actually written as the introductory material to orient you into the rest of the Psalter. So you have to think of Psalms 1 and 2 sort of like the entryway, the gateway. I imagine Psalms 1 and 2 to be like two French doors that you open, and as you open and you walk through and you enter into the rest of the Psalms, you're entering into the glory of these wonderful, beautiful compositions. In one sense, as you walk through Psalms 1 and 2, you're entering into the presence of God. And as you pass through them, you enter into the rest of the Psalter, um, you're welcome to sort of eavesdrop into people's conversations, people's prayers, people's songs to God. You're overhearing their complaints and their laments and their frustrations and their cries of desperations. You're overhearing their joy and their celebrations and their praises. But the wonderful thing about the book of Psalms is you're not just eavesdropping. The Psalms is saying, these can be yours too. 
these psalms, these prayers, they can be yours. Make them yours. Because here's the thing about the book of Psalms. There is no copyright information on them. There is no correct source formatting for the Psalms. The Psalms are public domain. They're for all to use freely. Now, one thing you notice, if you have a physical Bible and you're looking at the Psalms, is that many of them have what they call a subscript, some small writing underneath. It usually gives a little historical detail and it tells you who wrote it. Now, the first book of Psalms, book one, is Psalms 1 to 41. And if you look through them, David has almost written all of them. But Psalms 1 and 2 have no indication, no attribution. And that makes sense because Psalms 1 and 2 were written as the introduction to lead you into the rest of the Psalms. In fact, they come to you in a packaged way. It's quite beautiful the way the Psalms were composed. If you look at Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm 1, verse 1, it begins with this word, blessed. And if you read Psalm 2, verse 12, the very last verse of Psalm 2, you read, blessed are those who take refuge in him. This in Hebrew poetry, they call it inclusio. The way something starts and the way something ends shows that it's one connected unit. And the reason I'm mentioning this is to show you that Psalms 1 and 2 are stitched together because they're the entryway. They're the doors. They're the gateway that leads you into the rest of the Psalms. And what is the rest of the Psalms about? What's the hope and the goal and the promise of the Psalms? Blessedness. The Psalms saying you want to be blessed in life. It's not about being abundantly showered with good news and good things all the time. That's not what true blessedness is. True blessedness is being welcomed into communion and fellowship with God where you enjoy him through his word. And that's why Psalm 1 begins, blessed is the man who makes much of the word of God. Right? Blessedness, isn't that something that we all desire? Isn't it something that we all want? We want to be blessed. But we need to re-understand, re-imagine what it means to be blessed. Psalm 1 begins this way. Blessed is the man. Well, how is he blessed? Verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, the word law needs to be re-understood in its context, because uh, as English speakers, when you hear the word law, what do we tend to think of? We tend to think of rules and regulations. We think of legal code. We think of lawyers. We think of courtrooms. We think of juries. We think of judges. As English speakers, that's what we think of when we think of law. As Christians, when we heard, hear the word law, what do we think of? Legalism, Pharisees, working for God's approval, self-righteousness. But both of those connotations to the word law are inappropriate and incorrect because the Hebrew word translated here as law is the word Torah. Torah. You may have heard this before. Now, Torah has a strict translation. It does mean law. But if you have a physical Bible, you'll notice there's a footnote next to the word law. And if you look at the bottom of the footnote, it should tell you that Torah can also be translated as instruction or teaching. Because it's not just law. You see, when the Israelites received Torah, they delighted in Torah 
They meditated on Torah. Torah for them wasn't God thundering at the top of Mount Sinai, stamping his feet, delivering down a long list of oppressive rules and regulations that were meant to restrict your life and steal your joy and take away your freedom. That's not what they thought when they received Torah. When they received the law, they received it in joy and gladness because Torah, the law of God, was life-giving. It was a welcome into freedom and joy and pleasures in the Lord. Do you know why? Because Torah does not mean simply God's rule. It's a reference to God's revelation. Why is it good to receive the law? Because it's not just God telling you what to do. It's God telling you who he is. It's God telling you what he's done for you. It's God telling you what he delights in and what he desires from you. All this to say this, friends. Psalm 1 stands at the beginning of the entire Psalter, and it's inviting you to read what's to come. It's inviting you to read the rest of the Psalms as this gift of God given to you, his word given to you. It's an invitation to receive Israel's songs and Israel's prayers, not as man-made, human-produced documents and reflections on God, but to receive it as God's revelation to you. The law is not some legal contract given to us by angelic attorneys. The law is God's personal words for his people written by the very finger of God. And the psalmist is saying this. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to experience blessedness? Come delight in. Meditate on the psalms. Be welcomed into communion and fellowship with God through them. Because in the end, here's what true blessedness is. It's to be connected to God in every season of life. How many of you think of blessedness this way? Or do you think of blessedness as being connected to God in all the good seasons of life? Blessedness is being connected to God in every season, sitting under his favor and his presence. Now, here's the thing, though. Um, if you've ever read through the book of Psalms or if you've read uh, a variety of Psalms, you'll know that as soon as you open them, that life isn't always blessed or life doesn't always feel blessed. Often we feel cursed. Often we feel forgotten. Often we feel abandoned. Often we feel like life is unfair. And the beautiful thing about the Psalms is that they cover all of life's emotions and all of life's experiences. The Psalms give you access to all the highs and lows of life, all the good things and all the bad things, all the things that make your fantasies and all the things that make your nightmares. But the point the psalmist is making is that when you're able to hear God's voice in all of it in every season, that's true blessedness. And that's the gift. God's speaking into your life and giving you what you need, not what you want. Every single one of us, uh, we're different. We have different personalities, which means we have different tendencies, inclinations, propensities, all of our personalities that are bent a certain way. And you can kind of tell, you know, a lot about a person. Like if I were to log onto your Netflix and just look at your watch history or, or your my list, like what are the things that you spend your time watching? Are they happy and upbeat things, joyful things? Or are they, you know, somber and, and, and pensive and melancholic? If I were to log onto your Spotify and listen to your playlist, and go through that. Like, what would that tell me about you? You know, some of us really enjoy listening to, to upbeat music, 
you know, with a nice 808, boom, boom, and, you know, things that really just kind of make us happy and, and get lost in the music. And others really like the music where, you know, it's only appropriate to listen to on a rainy day where you look out of the window and the condensation is on the glass. You know, it's almost like we're all, we all like different things. And that, and that makes sense, and, and that's understandable because we're all created by God to be unique. But what that means is this. Some of you are drawn to scriptures like the, the positivity of the book of Proverbs, and you love reading about that, and others of you uh, are drawn to the pessimism of the book of Ecclesiastes. You really enjoy that. Like some of you really love the romance of Song of Songs, and others of you are drawn to the realism of Job's suffering. Which means also when we come to the book of Psalms, you're drawn to different things. Some of you are drawn to the Psalm 98s. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Praise God. Raise your hand. Sing a hallelujah. And some of you are drawn to the Psalm 13s. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? We're drawn to different things. It's like the Psalms are this great buffet and some of us only eat the lo mein. Some of us only eat the crab rangoons. We, we pick and choose. But the Psalms are calling you. Psalm 1 is, is inviting you into the Psalter that lays out for you not just the things that you pick and choose, but lays out for you what God says, this is what you need. If you want to endure through every season of life, the good seasons and the bad seasons, here is what you need. Delight in all of it. Meditate in all of it. Because God's word is going to supply you with the words to speak when you're just groaning in despair. It's going to supply you with the words when you're shouting in glee and joy. It's as if Psalm 1 stands at the gate. It stands at the gate and it's saying to you, when you walk through the Psalter, you're entering into a pasture, a garden, a field, a world where there's anguish and there's adoration. There's complaint and there's celebration. There's prosperity but there are also problems. There's joy and there's mourning. There's praise and there's lament. But all of it is God's authorized, inspired words that he's given to you, that you might use them, that you might delight in them, meditate on them, so that in every season, you will be blessed. Because a true, truly blessed person is not one whose life is good all the time who's happy and joyful, feels meaningful and significant. A blessed person's circumstances aren't always cheery and sunny. Their life isn't always smooth and calm. True blessedness doesn't have to do with circumstances. It has to do with rootedness. What are you rooted in in every season? So Psalm 1 goes on to describe the blessed person in verse 3 like this. He is like a tree planted or rooted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The Psalms are promising that you're blessed in the variety and diversity of life seasons because God is giving you access to a variety and diversity of Psalms to sing and to pray. All of them are for your good. You're blessed when you're declaring Psalm 9, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. You're blessed when you're singing praises, but you're also blessed when you're crying out Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Why? Because blessedness is not about your circumstances, but about your rootedness. 
This is the hope and goal of Psalm 1. It's an invitation. It's a promise. Come and enter. Receive the blessedness as you come and meditate on the Psalms. Make them yours. Marinate in them. Enjoy them. Sear them on your heart. And you will be blessed. Make God's words your words. Root yourself in them. And you will be like that prosperous tree. Even in the harsh winters, even in the scorching summers. And ultimately, the power that the book of Psalms has as you spend your life in it, all 150 of them, that power doesn't come simply because it's God's word, although that's true. The power of the Psalms ultimately come because the Psalms are pointing you to where you need to look. You see, the Psalms, although human expressions and responses to God in the midst of the nitty-gritty of life, the Psalms most importantly, give witness to the one who secures our blessing in every season. You see, although the Psalms are Old Testament compositions, they were all written with an eye looking to the one hope that could only be found in Jesus Christ. That's what makes the Psalms powerful. So Jesus, after he came, lived the perfect life, died the death we should have died, rose from the dead, was walking with his disciples. And in Luke 24, he says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus was saying, all the Psalms were written about me. To meditate on the Psalms and to miss him is to actually miss the point of the Psalms because he stands as their fulfillment. Jesus is saying, I'm the substance of every longing in the Psalms. I'm the answer to every lament in the Psalms. I'm the, I'm the hope of every cry of desperation in the Psalms. I'm the reason for every praise in the Psalms. I'm the cause for every thanksgiving in the Psalms. I'm the answer to every question the psalmist raises. I'm the end to every desire the psalmist has. To meditate then on the Psalms is to meditate on Jesus Christ. To delight in God's law, the Torah, is to delight in Jesus, who is the Word made flesh. And so no matter what Psalm you might make yours today, and if you're going through some season of life, there is a Psalm here for you. To make whatever Psalm yours today is to then be planted, rooted in the living stream united to Jesus, so that in all your ways, you will abound. How can you be the blessed man, regardless of the circumstances of your life when you're tied to the Psalms? Well, it's because Jesus tasted the curse of your sin so that you might be blessed beyond what you deserve. Jesus experienced the famine on the cross so that you might be fruitful in every season of your life. Jesus was wounded for your transgressions so that you might be like a leaf that never withers. Jesus was punished in your place so that you will always prosper in the end. Jesus is the reason why those who meditate on the Psalms are ultimately blessed. Because blessedness has to do with rootedness. Rooted in God and his promises given to us in Jesus. So it doesn't matter if you're groaning in despair or you're jubilant in delight. It doesn't matter if you're crying out in anguish or spilling over in adoration. The Psalms take you by the hand and they lead you to Jesus, the source of every blessing. So friends, my encouragement this year is to be in the Psalms. 
regularly and daily to live in the Psalms because to live in the Psalms is to live in Christ. And if you've never made a practice of this, systematically reading through the Psalms, consider giving it a try, making it a practice, developing it into a routine. Because if you do that, I promise you the Psalms will become a lifeline. You know, the great German reformer Martin Luther loved the book of Psalms. He loved and studied the book of Psalms. Before the great reformation began, Luther committed himself to studying two books that led to the reformation. One was the book of Romans. The second was the book of Psalms. In fact, he organized his day around seven segments where he read through the Psalms, which means that Martin Luther read through the Psalms, all 150, every two weeks his entire life. And some of you are going, well, he was a German monk. He didn't have access to the internet or a phone or a life. That's how he did it. I could never do that. And let me encourage you with this. The contemporary Presbyterian pastor, Tim Keller, follows the Book of Common Prayers schedule of the Psalms, breaking it up into morning readings and evening readings. And then for the past four decades of his life, he reads through all 150 Psalms once a month. Now, we're going to make that available to you, to any who's willing to take on that challenge, to commit yourself to one month of reading through the Psalms. We'll send that out in an email this week. But I understand, realistically, most of us aren't that ambitious. Maybe we need a bit of guidance as we read through the Psalms. Well, there are many, and I have just uh, a few here to recommend. The first is um, a daily devotional by Tim Keller called The Songs of Jesus on the Book of Psalms. Uh, it's 365 devotions, for, one for every day of the year, going through the Book of Psalms with a reflection and a prayer uh, that might be helpful. Uh, here's another one, uh, Dane Ortland's book, In the Lord I Take Refuge. Uh, 150 daily devotions in the Psalms, 150 for each psalm. Um, what I love about this resource is that uh, there's a corresponding podcast uh, that really just, you don't have to read the book. You could just listen to the podcast. Uh, they're all between four and five minutes long. It's one that I personally use because in the morning you want the fast and good enough coffee and maybe you're too tired to read God's word, but it's not too tiring to listen to it. And so there's a podcast for this as well. Um, and the third uh, is the shortest, so it might be the most popular, um, by Eugene Peterson called Praying with the Psalms. And this also leads you through daily readings in the Psalms um, and a very short prayer prompt for us to get in it. The, I'm going to send all these recommendations out in an email. The only reason I bring them up to church is to encourage you to say there's a great wealth of resources that really help us uh, to get into the Psalms, to get into this prayer book, this song book of Israel. But ultimately, uh, what the book of Psalms are, um, are pointers that help us to be rooted in Jesus because they point us to the ultimate hope. And so Psalm 1 is a great invitation. And the question is, how will you respond to it? There is a Psalm here for every season that you're in. There is a Psalm here for every season you will be in. And so we don't just pick and choose like it's a buffet line, but we go through it like it's a 150-course meal. And we take what God gives to us because he knows that we need it and what he knows is best. Let's pray.